exciting over there, doesn't it? Tell you what, they start giving away In-N-Out burgers. I'm going over there afterwards <laughs> at noon for sure. <laughs> well, it's been a, a, a glorious week and uh, for so many reasons, just uh, the least of which is just for my own personal worship, just sitting there night after night, just remembering the greatest story my heart was so ministered to. By the time I got up here ready to preach, I was about ready to pop. And uh, what a glorious time. And just good to see each of you here, see a wonderful crowd here this morning. And for those of you that are online, uh, I just want to tell you personally how much we appreciate you uh, listening in each week. And I know for some reason you have to stay home, but uh, I will say this. I was thinking, you know, next Sunday is Easter. And uh, you know what Jesus did on Easter, right? He came out of the tomb. Now, some of you have been in a tomb for the last year, and I think it's time for you to roll back that stone and come to church. Everybody's saying amen in here. I hope the camera people are panning and everybody's wave at, wave at the home crowd, all right? Okay, tell them to come, all right? Good. Somebody uh, this night, uh, they said, Pastor, they were so happy, and they said, we got our shots, and now we're coming to church. I said, whatever it takes, I don't care. Just get in church. Your place is empty when you're not here. And so we're looking forward to having you. Who is God? Now, we are told several times in Scripture that God is a jealous God. Now, that may sound like a bad attitude, but actually for God, it is a holy attribute. Now, not so for humans, at least not too often. It is largely a negative trait. A man worked in an office with several attractive ladies. His wife, constantly jealous, had a list of questions ready every day when he came home, and then she would examine his coat. If she found a blonde hair, would accuse him, you're having an affair with a blonde woman. If she found a red hair, a black hair, brown hair, the accusations would pour forth. So finally, the man wised up and he, brought, he bought a lint brush to remove all anything from his clothes, kept it in his car. So the next time his wife came, talked to him, same thing, asked, then looked at his coat and found nothing. He expected a smile, but instead she began to wail. What's wrong, honey, he said. Don't touch me, she screamed. Now you're having an affair with a bald woman. <laughs> uh -huh. Yes, for humans, jealousy is not really a very good trait. But for God, it's a holy attribute. It is part of his nature. God is a jealous God. But for me, for you, jealousy is not often good. For example, I have no right as a preacher to be jealous of any other pastor because I don't own all the preaching in the world. I don't own the truth in the world. I don't own all the teaching in the world. I'm just one person. But there is only one God, and therefore he has the right to all the worship all the adoration, and all the praise. He alone deserves every bit of glory we give him. And so that's why that God can be a 
jealous God. And that's why it says in Exodus 34 and verse 14, thou shalt worship no other God for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. Now, if we are serious about our relationship with God, we will exalt him above everyone and everything else in our lives. Our God is a jealous God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and bless you. God, I thank you for this amazing group. Thank you, Lord, for the incredible week. How my heart has just been so stirred and touched. I know many people, Lord, are physically tired, even spiritually a little bit worn out. And yet, Lord, I know that from their soul of souls, they are so thrilled to have been part of a miracle. Now, Lord, I pray you'd bless each of us today and for those that are listening online, to some around the world even right now. Lord, may they feel your presence. Help them to know that you love them and we love them. And Lord, would you meet with us today in Jesus' name, amen. It is a true fact. God is love. Now, I might add to that, God is true love, not the Hollywood style. But God is also a jealous God. At least 18 different times in Scripture, the Bible says that our God is a jealous God. Let's turn, if you will, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 2. And we find the great apostle Paul declaring to the Corinthian church a good attribute of jealousy. He said, I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. Look at that phrase. Godly jealousy? Really? Yes, there is a godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Paul said, I'm a concerned pastor. I have a deep, deep care that your lifestyle and your faith honor God. He was jealous for their spiritual health. Some of you ladies are jealous for your children's physical health, for example. You make sure they eat the right things. And yesterday, or sometime this week, I think it was yesterday, I was eating some, and you're not going to believe this, but I was eating kale. And uh, of course, I had everything on it I could think of, but I was sitting there eating it. It was in that little salad thing, and I was thinking to myself, why do they put kale in anything? It's for cows, but I'll tell you one thing, it is it is good for your spiritual health. And some of you ladies, I know you probably grind kale up and feed it to your little babies. And, and, uh, but I will tell you, you are jealous for their spiritual health. Now, what is God's jealousy? The Old Testament word, actually, even the New Testament word, actually, it's sometimes used interchangeably with the word zeal. And so jealousy and uh, to be zealous for something is actually the same thing. In fact, the actual root word means intensely red. The idea is that there's a deep emotion, an intensity um, that is associated with that. Being jealous, being zealous is really the same thing. God is eager to protect that which belongs to Him alone. Now, there are four things that belongs to Him alone that I think we should make sure that we remember, and that is, first of all, the Lord is jealous of his deity. He is jealous of his deity. Let's go to Exodus chapter 34. You may remember the end of the book of Exodus. We find God uh, graciously so uh, giving the law back to the people. 
God is reconciled with them after the disaster, the golden calf train wreck. And he invites Moses to come up and to receive the law again. Now, before verse 14, which we're going to be looking at, you can just kind of quickly look before that. But before he gives them this uh, fact, he does tell them, he said, look, let me just clarify something. The Lord is merciful. The Lord is gracious. God is long-suffering. He is abundant in his goodness. With that being said, let me be crystal clear. There is one thing that is non-negotiable about me, and that is my deity. I am God, and I am God alone. Verse 14, thou shalt worship no other God, none. You never are to have anybody above or next to me. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. God will not, God cannot, it is part of his attribute, allow any creation of his own hands to elevate anything equal or above him. Let's find another place where God's deity is shown that he is jealous of in Ezekiel chapter 8. You know Ezekiel, the great Old Testament prophet who often spoke about the glory of God. He is an exilic prophet, meaning he prophesied during exile of Israel. His message to the people went something like this. You're not going to want to hear this, but I'm going to tell you anyway, God is jealous of his deity. And the reason you are experiencing what you are going through right now as individually and as a family, as a nation is because God is judging you for your sin. And so God takes Ezekiel in a vision to Jerusalem. And there in Jerusalem, verse number 3, he brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem, to the door of the inner gate. And I looked towards the north. So here he is. He's in this, uh, uh, this dreamlike, uh, this vision state. And he sees inside the temple of their heart, he sees a image, and he calls it an image of jealousy, which provoketh to jealousy. What was it that God let Ezekiel see? He let Ezekiel see into the hearts of the people, and though you couldn't see it on the outside, he said, the fact of the matter is, you go to the temple, you go on down to the business place, but in your heart of hearts, you have Baal there. You have Ashtaroth or Dagon or whatever God it was. You have a false God in your spirit. And I cannot, I will not allow it. Christianity is often looked at as being so exclusive. You can count on it. There's always some media wingnut who will cry about the evangelicals. They are intolerant. I've read so often that evangelicals are always white, they're always American, and they're always Republican. Well, let me just say, uh, to begin with, first of all, the founder of Christianity was not white. <laughs> if you want to call Jesus Christ our founder, he wasn't American, and he certainly wasn't Republican. Now, he probably would be a Republican, but I will... <laughs> But Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. 
The reason we follow Jesus is not because it's a Western world tradition, is because the infallible Word of God unequivocally says that Jesus is the way, only way. He is the truth and the life. Unquestionably then, the Bible says that Jesus is Lord and he loves his deity. Now folks, put yourself in God's place. Suppose out of your deep, deep love, you made all the things that there is for mankind and you love mankind. You gave him everything, everything that he has, all the food, I was sitting there this morning, looking outside at the vineyard, drinking my coffee, and just so grateful for all that the Lord has done for us as a family, as a church, and just personally, just grateful for how good I feel physically and mentally, spiritually. I was just having a little praise time with the Lord. Now, folks, that's God. He did all that for me. Now, imagine then that in light of all that God's done for me, I would go over there and I would take a little stone And I would set it up on the counter and I would say, oh, I worship you, frog God, I worship you, you know, beetle God. I tell you what, that is a crazy, crazy concept. You know, every uh, every week almost it seems like I read about some new discovery going on in Egypt. They'll find a mummy that's been there for 2,000 or 3,000, a few daddies too. But um, there they are, you know, they'll find them. Did you catch that? And uh, they're under the sand or in some sarcophagus there. And invariably, they talk about these amazing old ancient world. Folks, seriously, those people were worshiping frogs and head lice and, and beetles. I mean, that's ridiculous. I, I think I found a picture of one of their gods here. The, look at that, a frog god. There he is. They worship that thing. And I know they even worship grasshoppers. I know there's a big push on now for alternative food sources, protein, grasshoppers. They act, I was reading, they actually bake grasshoppers now, bake them kind of like those jalapeno poppers. And I'm not kidding you, you're not going to believe this. They call them hopper poppers. And uh, <laughs> I found a picture of one in case you wanted to buy one. There you go. Hopper poppers. There you go. Fresh. You're going to love them. What kind of a crazy person thinks about eating that? Well, I, they're probably in the White House anyway, but um, I don't know where that came from. Um, now, it is, a, it, is a, it is a, to me, it is amazing that a mighty God who has given us so much would keep us from just frying us like a little grasshopper. For dis- disrespecting, he's the God. Who, no, grasshoppers didn't give us this beautiful weather, and grasshoppers didn't give us our health. No, that's from God, and he is a jealous God. By the way, that's exactly why God did the plagues that he did on Egypt. Have you ever read that scripture? Look what it says in Exodus 12 and verse 12. God said, you know, the liberal media and the crazy academia will say, oh, it's that wonderful culture of theirs. Folks, it was a pagan, anti-God, anti-Jehovah, terrible religion. It was pagan. And God, look what God did. Against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. That's why God sent frogs. That's why God sent lice. 
That's why God sent all that stuff. He was just saying with an exclamation point, don't ever put a frog above God. Don't ever put anything above God. What is our main desire today? What is the deepest longing of our heart? Is it the Lord or is it the Lord something else? The other day I was driving around, I saw a store, a company called Doors Plus. I think the idea is they're trying to convey that they're more than just wood or metal slabs. They have hardware and other things. It's probably a pretty good business model. But I'm afraid there's a lot of people who have that mindset when it comes to God. It's God in my life. God plus popularity. God plus partying. God plus this. God plus this. Folks, I want to tell you right now, God is jealous for our love alone. Not, he doesn't share it with anybody. One man once boasted to me, he said, Pastor, I guess he figured I'd be happy with it. He said, I'm he said, I believe 99%. And I told him, I said, well, I'll tell you right now, it doesn't really work that way. <laughs> I tried to be as kind as I could. But let me say this morning, folks, if it's 99% Jesus and 1% anything else, you are 100% lost. Because unless it's 100% Jesus, my friend, you don't understand. Because God is not a God who will share his deity. The very Ten Commandments says in Exodus 20 and verse 3, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Is there any question now? Is there any question? <laughs> no, thou shalt have no other gods before me. God does not hope for simple prominence in our life. He demands preeminence. And so the first characteristic of God's jealousy is he is jealous of his deity. He is also jealous of his authority. He is jealous of his authority. He who made heaven and earth has the right, and exclusively so, to rule. He has dominion. It is his power over our life, over our marriage, over our business, over every nation. Every time I choose to dissipate scripture, listen to me. Every time you choose to dissipate scripture, you join others who through history have blown off God. And I will tell you, that is one bad, foolish group. Never say, I don't know if I believe that in the Bible. My friend, you are in serious trouble because God is jealous about his word. He's jealous about his authority. Let's go to Psalm chapter 2 in that great messianic psalm. You've got to love chapter 2 of Psalm. Here he is referring to the coming of Christ, both his first coming which we call Christmas, and his second coming, we know as the, at, the end of the at the end of the rapture, excuse me, end of the tribulation. But he said the characteristic of those days is going to be this, that people will say the Bible and those kind of rules are too restrictive. And so, verse 3, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Too binding Christianity and the Word of God is too, uh, too narrow for us. Every time we humans are willing to disobey Scripture because we feel like it's too binding or too narrow, folks, we are, we are doing exactly what God tells us not to do. I'm a jealous God. You don't have a right to have your own authority. It is what Scripture says. We are robbing God of His authority. And I will tell you, 
now as it did then, it rubs God the wrong way. Here in the second giving of the Ten Commandments in the book of Deuteronomy, let's go to Deuteronomy 5 and verse 9. They had been wandering now for 40 years. The first time they blew it, they had been given the law. God graciously, after 40 years, has God changed his mind after 40 years? Maybe he can say, I've been a little too rough, a little too harsh. No, God says, he says the same thing he said 40 years earlier. Look what he says, Deuteronomy 5 verse 9. Thou shalt not bow down yourself, nor serve them. Why? Because I, the Lord, am a jealous God. I am jealous about my authority. I'm jealous about the things that I say. My word is law. Many today try to make a new road to heaven. In fact, sociologists tell us, listen to this. Sociologists tell us that there are now over 4,000 religions in the world. And they say that it is growing at a rate of 20 a new year. That's because people are always yearning for something new and improved. The other day I was looking at my little tea and it looked real different. I was thinking, what in the world? Why does it look so different? It kind of looked tutti fruity to me. I didn't really like the look. And uh, they figured there'd be some guy like me that would say that. And so on the front of it that said, new and improved look, same taste. Okay, good. I'm good. But why did they change that? Well, I'm sure it had something to do with money, but the fact was they know that people need new and improved. Well, I even read this week they're going to change the look of Taco Bell's. And I'm, this, this bend, that's going to hurt my heart. And because uh, I remember back in the day when they had the little bells up there on the top. But folks, why do they do that? Because everybody wants new and improved. Trust me, you're never going to get a new and improved Bible. They, they say these are new Bibles, but folks, the Word of God is once delivered. You can't improve the Word of God. God made it so that the, re, the way we get to heaven is through the blood of Jesus. That's called the blood atonement or covering. It's not works atonement. It's not some new concept atonement. It is Jesus. He is the atonement. And we need to realize there are no such thing as a new and improved religion. Let's go to Joshua chapter 24. The old veteran Joshua. He's standing there in front of his people. And he gives kind of a spiritual Marine Corps talk. He said, folks, we're going to go into this new land. We're going to go in there. And by God's grace, we're going to conquer it. And then he lowers the boom on them. And I've read this many times thinking, what in the world? Not a real good pep talk seems like. But look what he says. Chapter 24, verse 19. He said, he said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord. What? For he is an holy God. And then he said, he is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. Now you say, what in the world? Look, here's all that Joshua was saying. We already know God is loving and we know he forgives sin. What he's saying here is this. You need to know that as we go into this new land, it's not going to be a cakewalk. But you can do it. But if your plan is to turn and run, then do so now, because God's jealous. If you're going to run, if you're going to cut and run, then cut and run now, because when we get into the land, we need everybody on board. You need to be serious about the Word of God. Now, there are many people who believe that all religions really are essentially the same. 
I've had many people tell me, they say, well, Allah is God. It's just a word for God. I said, no, Allah is not God. It's not the same. Well, you see, that's just the Arabic word. That's not what they mean. They don't mean the God of the Bible when they say Allah. I Trust me. They do not mean that. And God, there's so many people that say all religions are the same. My friend, that's not true. People say there's different roads, but the same heaven. What's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me. <laughs> Ooh, that's some real philosophy. But friend, I will tell you, just because there's lots of options doesn't mean there's more than one correct answer. We've all taken tests, right? And there's multiple choices, but there's only one right answer. There may be multiple options, but there's only one right answer. And as it pertains to the true God and the true heaven, eternal life, there is only one right answer. And that's what God said. He said, there is no other way. I'm very jealous about my authority. I'm jealous about my truth. The atonement is through Jesus Christ, no other way. People say, all roads lead to heaven. Well, let me change that. All roads do lead to God. I don't care who we are. We're all going to stand before God. But not all roads lead to heaven. Only the road that goes through Jesus Christ leads to heaven. Nobody gets a right to have their own path. It's God's way or the highway. It really is. God is jealous of his truth. Not only is he jealous of his deity, jealous of his uh, truth, he is jealous of his integrity, his glory. Now, folks, we must be very careful. God will not share his glory with anybody. And I think one of the hardest struggles for any of us is if God ever blesses us, if God ever gives us something, it's really easy to take the credit. And we must give God all the credit. Look what the psalmist said in Psalm 115. We're not told who the author is, as some of them. All we know is that uh, it was likely after some great victory for Israel. And look what it says in verse 1. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory. Thy mercy and thy truth. It is you, God. And God is very jealous on this point. Many a man, many a woman has been blessed wonderfully, only then to be permitted by God to stumble, suffer a stain on their reputation, because they began to own the accolades that only God should own. Instead of laying their character, their accomplishments, their crowns at the feet of Jesus, we begin to wear our own crowns. And there is only one room, there's only room for one king, only room for one glory in this universe. And if we usurp that, we set ourselves up as rivals to the Most High God, England's royal family. It's been in the news quite a bit lately. My personal opinion is seems like a lot of disrespect going towards them. But I will say this. Uh, the reason that they're a royal family is they have this uh, monarchy that's been in, in Britain for so many generations. And there are some very definite etiquette rules if you ever meet the queen. One of the rules, and I'm, I'm here for your... Uh, I'm warning if you ever meet the queen, you need to know this. Uh, first of all, you never touch the queen. Why? Because she is a person of glory. You always stand at attention. And the queen always gets to go through the door first. And so don't ever jump in front of her. 
Now, why do they do that? Well, because as the royal family in England, they are due all the glory, the highest honor. Now, that's an earthly thing, but I will tell you, in God's kingdom, he gets all the glory. And no earthly queen, no earthly king, all glory goes to God. God is to get all of our glory. And that's why Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19 was so jealous about God's glory. He was so earnestly making sure that God got all the glory. In chapter 19, verse number 10, Elijah is hiding. He's running from Jezebel. I would too. Here he is. We find him in a cave. What are you doing? I love what um, God said to Elijah in the verse or two before. He said, what are thou doing here? What is thou doing here? Uh, I thought you were a man, not a mouse. What are thou doing here? But hey, you're a man of God. You're a prophet. What are you doing here? Look at verse 10. He said, I have been jealous for God, for his glory. And the people of God, Israel, have forsaken my covenant. He was just simply saying, the fact that we as a nation have been taking God's glory has eaten me alive. I cannot stand the fact that a king or a queen is taking credit for what God is doing. Last year, the governor of New York, Governor Cuomo, after they had supposedly flattened the curve, and I am now going to give you a direct quote, and you can get the tape or watch it. And you can see, uh, read it for yourself. Here is exactly what the governor of New York, friends of our governor, said. It is directly the result of what you do. The number is down because we brought the number down. And listen to this. God did not do that. A lot of pain and suffering did that. Is that true? Is it true that our actions bring it all down? Is it true that everything we do keeps it from happening or keeps it from uh, or happening? Is that really true? Okay, well, let's just logically think through that. If that's the case, if it's what we do, then everybody should be healed, right? If it's medicine that heals people, then everybody who takes medicine should be healed, right? Is it medicine? If it's a procedure that's done, then everybody who has that procedure will be healed. Is that correct? Well, that's the logic that he's saying. God did not do it. We did it. My friend, you need to know this. Medicine only works because God makes it work. A procedure only works because God makes it work. A precaution only works because God allows it to work. Many people have done all these things, and yet it has not worked. That's because all the glory is due to God. God uses us, yes, but it is God that makes it work. Perhaps one of the greatest, maybe the greatest, at least prolific of all great composers of the Renaissance, Johann Sebastian Bach. Here's what he said about God's glory. All music should have no other end or aim than the glory of God. Those of you who know music and maybe have even seen some of the little compositions, 
You know that at the beginning of all of his pieces, he writes the name, or excuse me, the letters J-J. In Latin, it means Jesu Juva, meaning Jesus help me. Jesus help me. Before we do anything every day, we ought to put a J and a J. Jesus help me. And then at the end of every composition, he has the letters S-D-G. What does S-G-G stand for? In the Latin, soli dea gratia, meaning to God alone be all the praise. Jesus help me and to God alone be all the praise. He starts with Jesus and he ends with to God be the glory. That's a pretty good way to autograph anything we do. Lord, to you be the glory. You get up and you're going to go out there and hoe in the garden. Lord, Jesus help me. When you're done, thank you God. To God be all the glory. No matter what happens. There are four characteristics of God's jealousy. The jealousy God is jealous of his deity. He is jealous of his authority. He is jealous of his integrity. And finally, he is jealous of his property. His people are his responsibility. And he's serious about that. As believers, we are married to God and he is jealous of our love. The prophet Joel said it in Joel chapter 2 and verse 18. Then the Lord will be jealous for his land and pity his people. I warn the governments of this world, you better remember who the church is married to. Jesus loves his bride. You better be careful. The wife of an ancient Persian noble had been invited to the coronation of Darius. The question was asked of her by her husband, do you not think the king a most handsome man? Her answer, honey, I cared not to look at the king. My eyes are for my husband. My heart is his. Zechariah, the Old Testament messianic prophet in chapter 8 and verse 2, warned the Lord's people. He said, thus saith the Lord of hosts, I was jealous for Zion with a great jealousy, and I was jealous for her with a great fury. And then he declares that he will punish. God is zealous about protecting his bride. That's why God said, in the book of Hosea, and the whole book of Hosea is a picture of Pastor Hosea being married and the, the same idea of God being married to an adulterous nation. Verse, chapter 2 and verse 19, I will betroth thee unto me forever. God is married to his people forever. He doesn't divorce his people despite the sins that they do. Folks, if we are serious about our relationship with God we will make sure that we remember he is to be number one in authority, in his deity, in his glory, and make sure in all that we do. Now, there are two practical things I would like to close with this morning, and that is this, two practical ways to honor a jealous God. And I think sometimes we overlook the importance and yet the profound uh, opportunity we have in these. And they both start with B, so maybe they'll uh, be something we can remember. First thing is baptism. I believe one of the most important things we can do once we have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior is to be scripturally and Bible baptized. It is the first step after salvation. It is an outer expression of our deep commitment, inner commitment to the Lord. You'd say, well... Um, uh, what should I do? Friends, 
If you have never been baptized, then do so. We are going to be baptizing next Sunday. You ought to just come up there and say, let's get it done. You'd say, well, I'm not ready. The only way that you could not be ready to be baptized is to not be saved. If you have been saved, then you're ready. You'd say, well, I don't understand it. Folks, it is an act of obedience more than an act of understanding. Now, God doesn't have any problem with you understanding it, and he's happy to get you to understand it. But if you've not tried to understand it, then you should. You'd say, well, how can I understand it? Well, to make it easy for you, out there on the table, and I'm going to ask you if, you, if you're an adult or an older teenager and you want to read and you want to understand, if you've never been scripturally baptized, you'd say, well, Pastor, I was, I was sprinkled as a baby. That's a nice thing, I guess. It maybe helped you get a little clean. But uh, I will tell you that is not Bible baptism because baptism represents the death of Christ. And when Jesus went into the grave, they didn't just throw a few uh, shovels of dirt on him, a little bit of water on him. I was at one funeral one time, and this religious man was, uh, had a big old giant salt shaker, and he was shaking water over that casket. And I thought, what in the world is that guy doing? I found out later he was baptizing the dead person. I thought, first of all, he's dead. How can he believe? Second of all, it's not baptism. It is just sprinkling a little water, folks. When the Ethiopian eunuch was out there and Philip came, the, the, the leader there of that Ethiopian country, he said, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe, you can be baptized. It was a body of water. When Jesus got baptized, he thought it so important, he walked all the way down to the Jordan River. That was a good little trek from Jerusalem. To be baptized of John, it's important. And so we have this book here. We'll give it to you free. If you're an adult and you or an older teen, you are somebody who you've never been scripturally baptized and you'd like to know more about it, it is right here. And go out there and here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. If you today will honor God as a jealous God, he's jealous of your commitment, then you will get baptized. You'd say, well, how can I, I, I don't know about it. Then you can know about it. It is an act of obedience. Now, it is a public uh, sign. Now, I have this beautiful ring that my wife gave me. I'm so, I love it. I, it's kind of manly ring. It has a couple little diamonds in it. But uh, now, if I take this ring off, I'm still married. But I wear it proudly, gratefully, to say, I have made a covenant with my wife, and I publicly am willing to announce that. That's what baptism is. You can be saved without being baptized, but it is a public stand that you honor God. And that's why I believe it's so important that we should be baptized. Whether you're 6 or 86, you ought to be baptized and do so. You'd say, well, I, I, I was baptized, uh, sprinkled. No, that's not baptism. So make sure, and I can't think of a better thing to do it than for, to do it on Easter 2021. The first B, be baptized. The second one, if you believe that God is a jealous God and our commitment is important to him, then I believe you ought to belong. I'm talking about church membership. Everybody needs a church home. Now, Jesus talks about three homes in the New Testament. 
First of all, he talks about our heavenly home. First of all, that is the most important home we need to be part of. I have a heavenly home. Second of all, Jesus talks about an earthly home. Everybody ought to have a place where they invest, where they're devoted to, where we commit to. It is a beautiful thing to have a family, whether it's small or large. I have a family, a home in heaven, a family here on earth, but also everyone needs a church home. Now, if you've been attending but not a member, you just need to know I am very grateful. We love you. And for those of you that are online family, we love you, thankful for you, for all your love and support. But God's clear scriptural pattern is to be committed to a specific local church. And for the most part, it's just that we don't want to do that commitment. Now, that's not a healthy thing, folks. God is jealous of our commitment. And it is the greatest thing you can do, I believe, for your usefulness for Christ. And that's why we say belonging brings blessings. In life, we need to be able to say, this is my church. Sometimes folks will say, well, I really love your church, or I love this church. But you need to be able to say, this is my church. This is my place. This is my pastor. And that's so important in life. And You cannot get a better thing to do for the rest of your life. Folks, I know for some of you, you're thinking about it, and I know you're coming for a while. That's a good thing. But uh, some folks have been thinking about it for years, (laughs) and I think it's time to say, you know what? I want to ready to step out for the Lord. I know that God wants us to give all that we can for the Lord. I was reading this week. I was thinking about it, and I thought, you know, that is a great illustration all of us have alarm clocks, and some of us uh, use the uh, snooze alarm once in a while, and if we have to go someplace real early, I'll set the alarm on my little iPhone there, and you can snooze it. But th- there's a problem with a snooze alarm or a snooze uh, button. Uh, somebody I know calls it a sloth button, but anyway, um, that, uh, that alarm clock and that little uh, snooze button, there's two things that we need to realize. If we continually uh, push that, eventually we're going to be late for something because there's a reason why we set that alarm. But there's a second thing, and I think maybe more important, and that is if we're not careful, we'll get used to hitting the snooze alarm. And I really believe that, and then we'll just, we'll not even wake up. I really believe that a lot of people have done that in their Christian life. We just keep pushing the snooze alarm. You know, okay, I'll get baptized another time, or I'll join the church another era. Well, why not now? Why not realize that God is a jealous God? And that's really what this whole preaching is about. That's really what God is saying here. Because it's so important. There has never been a time when we need to commit ourselves to God than now. Folks, we don't need people going backwards. We need people going ahead for the Lord and serving Him as never before. And so I encourage you to make the move. In a few moments, we're going to sing. In fact, I'm going to ask our worship team come right up right now. And I'd like you to begin to play that song, I Surrender All, one of the great hymns of the faith. And as they're making their way up here, here's what I'm going to, I'd like you to do. Let's just bow our heads, in fact, right now. And 